0: just like I designed the plan for this parking garage, God has a plan for each one of us. And it's a good plan. You could have a firm foundation just like that building. Okay, maybe not just like that building. We're all gonna get fired, aren't we? We're lost. Well, uh, yeah, spiritually, we're we're all lost. We've been by that tree like five times already. We're in big trouble. We're fine. We're fine. Hey guys, on a totally unrelated note, if you were to die today, do you know where you would end up eternally? We don't want to die. That's why we hired you. Can you hold this real quick? Well, welcome to town, man. I'm sure they're going to love you here. Oh, hey, um, I know it's not really your thing, but I thought maybe you'd like to go to, uh, church. What? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You just lost me $5 million because you didn't file some document. Um, a document? Like, what kind of document? You tell me. You're the agent. I've... Oh, shoot. Is it the, uh... It is. It's the (laughs) 10th. That's what this is for. So, uh, I don't suppose you'd still like to go to... church? (laughs) Is that I That's right now. Yes, sir, they're bringing your car around. So how do you like the bodyguard gig? I like it, sir. I'm a Christian, so, you know, that's what we're all about. Sacrifice, selflessness, putting other people first. Ah! It's Al-Qaeda! No, no, I don't want to die! I just made my bucket list! Take him! He's a senator! Take him! I didn't even vote for him! I didn't vote for him! Don't put others first! No, I I don't want to go first! Hopefully um, you haven't had any experiences quite that bad um, I've spent 12 years as a design engineer and I'm pretty sure my designs haven't failed quite quite that badly so so that's good um, so silly video to, to launch us into this topic of being a credible witness um, uh, first of all um, yeah super nervous but um, uh, I love this church, and I love the men that I get to serve with and the women. Um, and this morning we had a sweet time, uh, kind of a, f- a family church business meeting where we appointed deacons and elders, and it's incredible to be able to serve with, with um, people that love Jesus. And uh, so I'm grateful to, to be a part of that, and uh, I'm grateful for what God's done in my life through this church. Um, And what he's been put on my heart, uh, has put on my heart over the last two years, is really this idea about how do I be a better witness to the world? How do I live credibly in front of the people that I'm normally in front of? And so I want to share some of that with you today. Um, Currently, as part of my training process and preparation process to be a church planter, a pastor, um, is that I'm enrolled in the Antioch School, which is the uh, kind of the, it's an accredited Bible training or theological training program that we're able to offer within our church. So right now we're going through a study on the book of Acts, and so some of that process has informed um, what I'm going to share with you today uh, in a kind of a condensed version. So we won't cover all 28 chapters of Acts, uh, but we'll uh, look at some snippets and kind of the overall theme. And so we won't, I want to use this, uh, so, so that passage that Tim read will be kind of the launching point for us um, but, uh, uh, as I look through the book of Acts and, and what God's kind of laid on my heart, I see, uh, kind of four elements to what it means to be a credible witness or four marks of a credible witness. And so, uh, I to run through those real quick with you right now. Uh, the first one is to know Jesus, that we would believe, uh, in our, with conviction, uh, that Jesus is the Christ and, uh, and so that's the first part. So if you're a witness in a courtroom, your attorney probably wants you to believe that what you're going to say is true. Uh, so that's the first step is to really know Jesus. Um, and we can do that a number of different ways. Uh, the second one would be to imitate Jesus. Does does your life measure up with what you believe? Does how you portray Jesus to the world match with what you know to be true? And uh, that's like the corroborating evidence in a courtroom setting. So so is there other things that match up uh, to show uh, What you know is true. Uh, To share Jesus, really, this is just about sharing your story. I think this is potentially a part where we sometimes get hung up, but everybody who knows Jesus has a story. If you've been impacted by Jesus, you have a story. And so that's part of being a credible witness, is actually saying something about the truth that you know to be true. Um, A witness in the courtroom does no good if he doesn't actually go up there and testify. So that's sharing Jesus. And the last one is sending Jesus. And this is uh, connected to sharing Jesus, but it uh, uh, really has more to, to do with the audience. Who, who are you sharing it with? Where are you going to share the truth of Jesus? Uh, so this is like uh, the judge and the jury, or who's next that you're going to share Christ with? And so that's the layout. Um, and if you're a word person, you may observe that um, I did a good pastoral thing and gave you an acronym to help you remember we're going to kiss Jesus today. So if that feels weird to you, that's good, because it'll help you remember. So, <clears throat> so we're going to kiss Jesus uh, as we learn what it looks like to be a credible witness. So no, imitate, share, sin. One quick disclaimer, this is not a step-by-step guide. Uh, so uh, one thing we can get hung up in is, I don't know enough, um, so I can't then share. Or, or my life isn't just right, so I can't go and witness uh, so it's not a step step by step guide. It's all encompassing. If you know Jesus, uh, so, so there's really one first step, really, um, that you have faith in Christ. And once that happens, all of these begin to apply to your life at once. And then you grow and develop in in how much you kiss Jesus. Uh, all right. So I want to what I want to do is step through this passage that that. Um, tim Red, and we're just gonna i'm gonna point you to how it fits with this kiss idea and then we'll go from there into each one a little bit more in depth so i wrote that this is luke who wrote the gospel of luke he's this is a continuation of his gospel into so the, the gospel is luke telling a history of jesus and acts is luke telling the history of the church so he writes, I wrote to the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up after he had given instructions to the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So really, Luke's just laying a foundation. Look, we've told you about Jesus. This, you know him, and, uh, and, and you, you know what he's, he did and taught. He gave instructions. So this is the no part. Verse 3 continues, after he had suffered, after he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So Jesus presented himself, and this is him corroborating uh, the stories going around that he was risen from the dead. He showed himself, many convincing proofs appeared to them. And so this resonates with that imitate idea that our life would reflect Jesus, that our, our life lives up. It's, it's corroborating what we say uh, is true. Uh, continuing, uh, this continues that idea of imitate, I think, and, and a little bit of the knowing part. But while he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, "You have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit." So he's getting them ready, uh, saying, "Hold on, uh, so wait for the promise." You already knew about this because I told you about it, or actually, John the Baptist told you about it when he spoke about being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Uh, so, so wait. And then, so, so when they had come together, which I think is great, like uh, they came together, uh, they gathered together like we're doing now, uh, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? And so they had thought that they were getting a new king, an earthly king, that Jesus was going to restore the kingdom. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. And I think a key part of this share element is, and the story we tell about Jesus is, is to keep the main thing the main thing. And, and here the, the disciples are asking about something else, and, and he redirects them and says, no. and he's going to tell them what's coming next. But he's, he's getting ready to give them instructions, helping them not to be distracted by uh, other things. So uh, this last part then launches us, uh, where Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And here we see Jesus basically commissioning the disciples out as witnesses, both in their city, well, in their city, their neighboring regions, and the rest of the world. And we adopt that commission as New Testament believers. Um, and we see from verses, well, from verse nine through to the end of Acts twenty-eight, uh, the explosion of the church. Of Jesus Christ throughout the world, and uh, it starts in Jerusalem and then it goes out from there. Uh, so we are going to step through uh, these a little bit more in depth, um, all the while keeping in mind this big idea that God empowers his disciples to be credible witnesses so it 's always a temptation to think that we can do things that make make us better, that we can do things that um, that uh, would make us better witnesses without God's help. Uh, But we know from the beginning of Acts, uh, God set the stage for the Holy Spirit to be the one empowering all of his disciples to be this great witness, this credible witness. So what does it mean to know Jesus? This is the idea that we are committed and convicted about who Jesus is and what he's done. And so the question is, do you believe? Do you really believe and uh, and how's that? What does that look like in your life? Um, and we get a great picture early on in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter two, of the first church in Jerusalem, um, that that was first started by the apostles there, and and really started by the Holy Spirit. Uh, but these guys were gathered together, and we get a, so we get a glimpse, uh, a really clear picture, actually, of what church life was like. So. We're in church where we, we do different things in our church life, and I think a lot of them uh, align with what we see in, in Acts chapter two. So I'm going to read this. This is a little bit of a long passage. Um, so this is Acts chapter two, verses 42 to 47. Um, and this is the first church in Jerusalem. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together. loving each other. They were gathering together in different ways in the temple, large gatherings and homes and small gatherings. Um, and they were uh, having food together. They were selling things. They were basically taking care of each other's needs. Um, and they were, following, they were listening to the apostles' teaching. They were just getting to know Jesus interpersonally. They were getting to know Jesus through the teaching of the apostles. And, and this whole series of, of uh, Old Testament this Old Testament series we did um, in this last life group series uh, pointed to Jesus. We talked about how there, there's promises that point to Jesus. Those are all witnesses that we can go back to and, and relate to. So we have written witnesses we we can learn about Jesus from, we can know him by, and we also have those who have been transformed by him we can know by, by looking at each other. And so in involved church, uh, well, first of all, so I'm the life group's, Director, So I felt like it would be wrong of me if I didn't mention life groups in my message, right? So uh, we are in the middle of life group. But life groups is a small group atmosphere that we cherish at Involved Church because it, it helps us get closer picture of how each person's living. We can know Jesus better by the way that we know each other. And so life groups are important to us in that way. Know Jesus. Do you have commitment and conviction? So the next step, not step, the next mark, is imitating Jesus. And I'm, I'm going to, th- this could go a lot of different ways, I think. There's a lot of uh, ways to imitate Jesus. Um, but a huge theme I see in Scripture is this idea of sacrificial embodiment, that we are to embody Christ to the world so that when people see us, they see Jesus. Uh, There's a lot of ways we can do nice and good things that don't point people to Jesus. Uh, So, do you bear the marks of a life transformed by Jesus? That's the question. In John uh, chapter 13, verse 35, if you've been to the underground, which has now been vacated, there was a sign with this verse on it. that says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so, love would be Love for one another would be that thing that points people to, hey, those that group of people are disciples of Jesus. Uh, but what does the love look like? And when we talk in Involved Church, we have, I think, six core values. And one we talk about quite a bit is authenticity. Um, and this is an idea that, that we're honest with ourselves and true to what we believe. Uh, but I wanted to spend just a moment on this because I believe the world has... Uh, that authenticity is a strong value of the world as well. Are you authentic? Are you genuine? Um, But it it takes a little bit of different form. Uh, And I think of three words when I think of the world's view of authenticity. I think because I've seen it enough times as a Facebook post or a meme somewhere. um, And it's these words here. You do you. And if you're super hip, maybe you've posted it like this. You do you, this idea that I mean, you don't tell anybody how, or you don't let anybody tell you how to live your life. You just do, do what you want to do. You do yourself. And, and hey, if you're a Christian, that's great. You can do, you can do whatever you want. Um, and, and so, as Christians, as believers in Jesus, we need to be careful that when we're living uh, in the world, that really instead of doing us, doing ourselves, that we are doing Jesus. Uh, because it's, it's not our goal to authenticate ourselves. If, if, living our, if, if we're trying to imitate Jesus, we're trying to validate what we know to be true with our life. And we can't do that if we're just doing ourselves all the time. And so we have to be doing Jesus. And that means authenticating him, not us. Uh, that verse I shared just a minute ago, uh, the verse that comes right before it, uh, helps us a little bit more on uh, what it means to love. Or at least points us on how we, can, how we can think about it. Because, just side note, love's a pretty big topic in the world, right? Like, uh, everybody has a different idea of what love is. This is not going to be a message on love. We could do a hundred messages on love, probably. Um, but here we see Jesus. He says, uh, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, you also love one another. So Jesus says very clearly, I showed you how to love. That's how you need to love. Forget all the other ways you know how to love or you think you know how to love or people talk about love. You just look at me and what I've done. And what did Jesus do? Well, he gave his life. And so that's what we ought to do. And we're going to look at uh, uh, another guy. Oh, life group plug. That's another great way to imitate. Uh, In Scripture, we see a lot of people Um, imitating Jesus. And as leaders, as disciples, we want to follow Jesus. And if we're following Jesus, then other people can follow us, and they can be confident that they're also imitating Jesus in that process. One of the premier (laughs) imitators of Christ in Scripture is the Apostle Paul. And uh, he's a key uh, figure in the book of Acts. Uh, helping to start and launch the new church, planting churches all over the world there. Um, We're not going to go through all these verses. I just listed these references uh, to these passages up here because these are places where Paul says to the people he's writing to, imitate me. I'm following Christ. You can follow me, and you'll be confident that you're following him too. Um, And so we're going to look at the life of Paul a little bit. Um, uh, Not super in depth, but... um, in in one of Paul's letters to the Corinthians, he uh, he writes about a lot of the things he's gone through in his struggles, or in, in his ministry, and uh, I don't have it up there, but I just want to read it to you because I want you to just, just listen and think about this. So if we're to imitate Jesus, and one of those pictures we get is the Apostle Paul, um, just listen to what Paul went through. He says, often without food, in cold and exposure. And, apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Now, who wants to sign up for that life? I mean, really. Who wants to sign up for that? We just, we laugh about it, because we know there's no way God would call us to do that. There's no way it would be that hard. Well, that's what God's been challenging me with. What am I willing to risk for the kingdom of God? Where am I willing to take my family for the kingdom of God? We recently uh, been talking about where we might go plant a church, and uh, you know, Ryan introduced that uh, that to you guys. But, um, and we were sharing w- with with somebody about a particular location, and and the comment was, "Well, you know, the crime rate's high there." Maybe you should try this other city. That's like the most affluent part of this area. <laughs> um, and, uh, but I get that. It's you know, somebody that's close to us. They care for our family, and they're looking out for safety. Um, but I don't think that safety alone plays into the equation of how we follow Christ. I'm um, pretty convinced of that. Uh, so the question is, what will you risk? Um, and, and 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 what was Paul doing? Was he just running around, being stupid, getting himself in trouble that he didn't need to be getting in trouble? Um, you know, we might have applied some natural wisdom to say, oh, he shouldn't have gone there, and he would have been fine, and then he could have ministered over here. And Paul was following the the leading of the Holy Spirit. And when you read Acts, because you will read Acts, right? Uh, you will see that the Holy Spirit is leading Paul into all these treacherous situations. Uh, And he talks about, many times, uh, why he does that. And here's one of them. Uh, I wanted to share it with you because as I studied, uh, I came across this one, and and it's kind of an odd one. But he says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. So not just that list of all that stuff, but he rejoiced uh, for the church's sake. Here's the weird part. There's a part I wanted to zero into, and in my flesh, I am filling in my flesh. I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions, for the sake of His body, that is the church. That's right, yeah. Filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Well, what in the world is lacking in Christ's afflictions? Do we believe that Paul is saying Christ wasn't enough? What he did on the cross wasn't enough? I don't think so. Um, I think we can get help from another passage in Philippians where Paul is writing to the Philippian church, kind of a Thanksgiving uh, passage here for sending him some relief. So they took a collection of stuff and sent it to him and, uh, by, the, by the hands of this man named Epaphroditus. And so Paul here is writing to that church saying, uh, so receive him and the Lord with all joy because Epaphroditus is going to go back. And honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So we have a similar language that helps us understand what Paul was meaning about the lacking of Christ's afflictions. And here I'll put them both uh, on the screen for you so we can look at them together. In my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions, risking his life to complete what is lacking in your services to me. And if we look at the Philippians passage, I think it's a little bit easier to tell, because what's the only, the only thing better than the Philippians sending him the, the gift would be if he could see them in person. And, and what this is saying in Philippians is that Epaphroditus was the physical presentation of the gift. So he got the gift, he couldn't be with the church, but at least he had a representative of the gift. Um, Epaphroditus was a physical presentation of that gift. And so in Colossians, when he writes this uh, to that church, uh, he's saying that I am filling up, in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. He's the physical representation of the afflictions of Christ. They couldn't be there to see Christ, so he's represented it to them through his suffering and sacrifice. And, uh, And I think that helped me to understand that The suffering and sacrifice that Paul went through, it wasn't just incidental. It wasn't wasn't by chance. It was purposeful because it shows the disciples, it shows the churches and and the people that he's witnessing to that his life is genuine and it's Christ-driven. He is living for Christ and he is a sacrificial embodiment of Christ to those whom he is witnessing to. Uh, we're going to sc- cruise past that one. So, sacrificial embodiment. Uh, are we imitating Christ? Uh, is our life living up to what we know to be true? Next, Mark is to share Jesus. And I kind of I put the phrase here, relevant storytelling. I think a lot of it has to do with story. And I mentioned at the beginning, we kind of get hung up on this part because some of us don't think we have a story or our story is not good enough or we don't know enough to tell the story of Jesus. But the fact is, if you've been impacted by Christ, if you have faith in Jesus, you have some kind of story, don't you? And we have to share it. Uh, so are you making much of Jesus with your words, your words? Uh, there's this common, uh, commonly used phrase. Uh, it's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, but there's really no record of him saying it. Anyways, it says, Preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. Now, I understand uh, why this is popular, and, and it makes sense probably more in the imitate section of this message, if, uh, uh, where your life would be enough to tell people that you're a follower of Jesus, uh, that words potentially would not be necessary. Uh, but we know from Scripture that words are necessary. And in 1 Peter 3, uh, Peter writes, In your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Um, We've got to be prepared to use our words, to tell people about Jesus. Uh, they're not always going to know by what they see. Uh, but they may ask, um, and we could go back to the imitate section and ask the question: Are people asking you about the hope that's within you? Is your life such that people are curious about who you are and who you follow? Um, but the the warning on this, I guess this kind of been this phrase has been a pet peeve of mine sort of for a while, because I think in our church cultures it's been easy to hide behind this and use it as a cop out to say. We only see the last line there and say, Whew, I don't have to tell anybody about Jesus because that's scary. That'd be hard. Uh, but yes, words are necessary. So you have a story to share. Be bold. Depend on the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. And go to life group. So the next, uh, this final section on sending Jesus into the world, uh, I I titled Taking Jesus Public. Uh, And this is the idea that you're going beyond the the people that are naturally around you. Um, Where is God leading you next to take the gospel? Are you taking Jesus public? Uh, John chapter 17, verses 14 to 15 I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. I should have prefaced this to tell you, if you don't know, this is Jesus praying before he will be crucified. Uh, He's praying to the God, the father. Uh, And here he says, he's praying about the disciples as you sent me into the world. So I have sent them into the world. So if you know Jesus, you have been sent into the world somewhere. And uh, we need to own our sentness that God has sent us into the world and step out in faith into that. So, um, what does that look like? Uh, oh, what does that look like? Um, <laughs> anybody know what that is? That's Gardens of the Galaxy at Disneyland. Yeah. So before I talk about this, uh, one of the themes I see in Acts as, as you read through it, especially with Paul, is just constant moving, on the move, on the move, on the move. Where he's planning a church, and then he's going to the next one and planning a church. And there's always in his mind what's next. Um, I don't know what you guys are, how you guys feel about rides, like thrill rides and stuff. I'm not really a thrill ride guy, but I kind of was um, immersed into it because we were in Disneyland and first time for the kids, and they want to do all the rides, so I hopped on. Um, but uh, uh, this one in particular is like a. Uh, Elevator drop ride where it takes you up and down and up and down like five or six times. Uh, and, and I'm just like, <laughs> you know, like freaked out of my mind the first time. Um, but I was really amazed. Or, or it was fun to see um, the kids experience, especially my five-year-old son, Ruben, because I thought there's no way he's going to dig this thing. Um, but after the, after the first one, it was, that was awesome. You know, and then the second time it was, oh, yeah! And then uh, <clears throat> and every time after that, it's uh, there's one word that really captivates. Um, anytime you experience something that you really like, an experience that is potentially repeatable, um, you think of it with this word, and the kids shout it out. Again! Again, again, again. And I see that in Paul in the book of Acts as he's planting churches. It's like, let's do that again. Let's do it again. Let's go. Let's go. Where are you going to go next? Who are you going to take the gospel to? What are we going to do about it? And it's just over and over and over again. And, uh, and so we want to be constantly thinking about who we can take the gospel to. And uh, so I wanted to pause here before we wrap up. Um, you should all have a Pi Cubed card on your on your uh, table or on your seat. And Pi Cubed, it has these circles on it. If you look at the screen, Pi Cubed is something that we do to emphasize outreach. And uh, if you have one, looks kind of like this. So I want you to take just a couple minutes. Uh, just grab your card, okay? I'm not going to send you out the door without doing this. So. Uh, i give you a couple minutes to take a pen out, grab a pen. I want you to, there's four four name lines. I know some of you already have this card and you carry it around with you and it's useful to you. Um, but if you're new or you haven't done this before, grab it. And uh, there's four slots. You don't have to fill them all, but think of people close to you in your life that you could be a more credible witness to. Okay? And you can use this, take it with you as a help. But for right now, I want you to write down one to four names of people in your immediate context, that you could be a a more credible witness to. As you think about it, think of neighbors, co-workers, parents at school, kids, you can do this too, friends at school, teammates. Um, And as you think of those people, think about things you can change in your life to be a more credible witness. Um, Maybe you don't feel like God's calling you to go plant a church. Maybe you don't feel like God's called you to be a missionary. But maybe you could do a barbecue in your front yard instead of your backyard. Maybe you could eat lunch in the break room instead of at your desk. Maybe you could do something like those things that put you in front of people rather than by yourself. So I now will issue a formal apology to all the introverts in the room. But this applies to you as well. So, now, take this card with the names you've written on it. Think about it and pray about them. Um, just a quick note on the card. So there's, there's the pi cubed, if you're not familiar. The pie or the pie, the P is for pray. We always want to start with prayer. Before we approach somebody, we're going to pray for them. Um, first I is investing, so spending time with them invest in them, build friendship, invite them. Now, sometimes that's inviting them to church, but oftentimes it's just inviting them over for dinner, um, inviting them into conversation, sharing your story with them so they can share theirs, um, and then uh, eventually involving them in the life of the church. So that's Pi Cubed. Take it with you. The last thing I'll say about this is I want you... Uh, you know, we have Easter coming up. That's next week, right? Uh, so however many names you put down... Take at least of that many of the Easter invite cards that are out there on your way out and give them to those people. Okay. There. That's for Pastor Luke. <laughs> Beautiful cards he made. I want to make sure they get used. So, we are sent. Are we taking Jesus public? Are we finding a new audience to share the gospel the good news with? Them? Um, because our witness isn't any good if we don't take it to people. Uh, So, quick review. We're going to kiss Jesus, right? So we got to have commitment and conviction because we know who he is. Um, And and with our life, we're going to embody him sacrificially by losing our life for his sake, for the sake of the people that need the gospel. And we're going to share our story uh, because he's given us a story. He's made an impact in my life and in your life, and we can tell people about that. And we're going to pray and ask God to show us the ways that we can take him out into the world. God empowers his disciples to be credible witnesses. We don't do it on our own. God empowers his disciples to be credible witnesses. So the question is, are you living as a credible witness for Jesus? Let's pray. Our God, we thank you so much for the goodness of your word for the goodness of the example you have set, for the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and his resurrection. Lord, we are so looking forward to celebrating next week the resurrection of Jesus. And we look forward uh, into the future, far into the future of being with you in glory. Lord, challenge us in our hearts today Find those places where we uh, are not depending on you. We're trying to do things ourselves, or we're focused all on us. Open our eyes, Lord, to the opportunities you have before us, even with the people uh, sitting next to us or across the street. Show us how we can open our lives to them so that they can open their lives to you. Lord, lead us to be credible witnesses in Jesus' name.